Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of Heavy Branches. I'm Jacob. And I'm Tanner. And we're very excited to be getting into Luke chapter 19 with you this week. But before we do that, Tanner, tell us how your week's been. My week's, my week's been pretty good. Uh, been pretty busy. Uh, we just had a new children's minister. Uh, we helped him move Saturday, and he starts uh, Sunday, so tomorrow, For if you all listen on Saturday when it comes out, when this episode comes out. Um uh, he's a young guy from LBC, and we're pretty excited about it. Awesome. Um, I think he's going to uh, work hard, and he's uh, had a lot of experience with uh, with his family and growing up with a lot of children around, and I, I think he's going to be a really good fit. Um, so that's been fun, and, you know, I've been working on my normal stuff. I, it was kind of a, a funny mistake mishap this week um i thought we had wednesday night youth group i was the only one that thought we had wednesday night youth group okay and i apparently in the bulletin it wasn't in there that we were having youth group this week at so least you've got your lesson ready for next week <laughs> yeah so i'm prepped for next week just kind of one of those things where uh you think you have something going on and then you don't hey at least it wasn't the other way around at least you didn't show up but everyone else did yeah, yeah, that that's a good thing. Glad it was that way, but um, you know, got got some work done for school this week, and uh, got more to do. But it was a, a good step forward. How about you? No, it's been good. I'm I'm preaching this Sunday for the first time since I want to say late October, early November. Yeah. So ha- haven't preached for a while. So I'm I'm excited to to be preaching again, preaching at my home church which is always a little different than going out and preaching to people that I don't know and at a place I've never been before. But, you know, the, I've been going to the same uh, congregation pretty much since I was little, before I even remember. So yeah. most of the people there have known me my whole life and have seen me grow up. And so it, it's always a little uh, special getting to preach there, but also a bit different than a, a normal fill-in setting. So I'm excited for that. Been been really working a lot this week on my sermon for, for Sunday. Um, other than that, just been enjoying Christmas break. Yeah, I get to preach there Sunday too, or not this Sunday, obviously, the first Sunday in February. And uh, it's always special to be able to preach there and see people from home. and It's definitely different, I agree. Um. <clears throat> Uh, we want to remind you to mark your calendar. Uh, LBC is a, a special kind of school. So, you know, even though school starts on January 15th and it's January 5th right now as of us recording it, it'll be January uh, 6th when you when this first drops. You know, you still have time to get scheduled or set up with classes at LBC if you want to. Um, it's, it would be a great benefit to anybody that does, that wanted to grow in faith and grow in their understanding of the scriptures. So January 15th is when the semester starts and, uh, you can even, (laughs) if you decide that day that you want to take classes, you, you still could probably end up getting signed up. So if you have questions, just ask. The other thing I wanted to mention and, this is going to be a little bit different on how we do mark your calendar moving forward. Um, I don't want to announce the same thing every week for six months, but we do want to 
give you all, uh, you know, a decent amount of time to be thinking about the possibility of going to a camp that's down the down the road. So at the beginning of the month, or at least once a month, I'm going to try to do mark your calendar for stuff that's happening down the line quite a bit. So the first thing that I want to mention mention that's coming up is the Southern Indiana Family Rally. And what what is the name of the church? Kent Christian Church. Kent Christian Church. In Madison, Indiana. Kent Christian Church, Madison, Indiana. Um, Jacob was there last year. Um, my grandparents have been there uh, the last two years. It's uh, a newer rally that's being held, but uh, a lot of people have been very positive about it. It's been a, a, a great little event, and this year it's happening June 19th through the 22nd. So, you know, if if you're interested in, in taking a little little trip with your family where you all can get away and also be fed in a setting that is extremely positive and encouraging, I would highly encourage the Southern Indiana Family Rally. I think both of us are going to try and be there this year. And if you want to find more information or register for it, the website that you can go to is www.indianarally.com. www.indianarally.com. So we we'll hope you will consider that and maybe we'll even see you there. Now, this week we are in Luke chapter 19. Uh, please don't forget to be reading with us. Uh, make sure to confirm what we say with the scriptures because, you know, Though we are trying our best to say what the scriptures say, we're going to mess up. That's how we're human. So, you know, check us um, just like we check each other. And and uh, so be sure to do that. Uh, <clears throat> and then as we dive in here to Luke chapter 19, uh, we always say the verses. There's 48 verses. And I just wanted to mention because uh, there was a bug put in my ear this week just about uh, about the couple times that we've joked about how Luke writes long chapters. We, we both understand and know, and I hope you all know and understand that we know that Luke, when he wrote this, he didn't write in chapters and verses. It was right. all one book, and that was later put in for ease of access, basically, um, so when we're saying that we're joking, um, hopefully, uh, you know, everybody's on the same page about that, but I just wanted to throw that out there just in case anybody thought we were not joking. Yeah, Luke, <laughs> Luke didn't write, okay, chapter 19, here's where we're going to start about Zacchaeus. And then, you know, we'll end chapter 19, uh, after we talk about, uh, Jesus driving him out from the temple. That wasn't Luke's decision to mark the verses and chapters that way. So, yeah. And that's why so many times as we've gone through, you know, podcast to podcast, we've connected one verse or one chapter to the next chapters because the way Luke wrote it, the way Luke wrote it, one chapter flows right into the next and they can connect very easily. Or, uh, you know, several chapters can connect to each other. <clears throat> I mean, in Matthew, chapters 5 through 7 are all the Sermon on the Mount, so... Let's hop into our key thoughts here. My chapter title for this week is Seek Jesus, and as we go through this chapter, you're going to see that theme repeated over and over again 
it's really going to come out in this first section, but you'll we'll see that that is still a theme, at least in the background of every of every part of this of this chapter. So, let me ask you a question: Do you think you would have had to climb a tree if you lived back then and wanted to see Jesus? Oh man, is that a uh, is that a <laughs> shot at my stature? Um, you could take it that way. I'm just recognizing your um, incapability of seeing over people. Listen, I'm a little bit vertically challenged, <laughs> but I, I'm totally confident I would have been able to see Jesus. You think so? Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to get very high up the tree, I might not have seen him. Well, I figured that would be a good way to uh, poke fun at Jacob a little bit. That was... Uh, not my first thought, but definitely was my second thought when I read this was that I, I was going to... I can't help it, man. <laughs> Not all of us get to be blessed with a six-foot stature like yours, man. Six-two. Whatever. Yeah, keep reminding me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, we all, we all probably, a lot of us probably heard this, uh, this account growing up in Sunday school about Zacchaeus, the wee little man. A wee little man was he. Yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced you ever went to children's church if you don't know the song about Zacchaeus. And, the, and maybe you didn't, and that's okay, but um, for those of us that did go to children's church, we, we heard this for sure. And, uh, you know, the song, maybe we don't see the full picture when we're growing up about Zacchaeus and, and really the point of it, but... If you read that, and as you read it, I hope that you'll recognize two major themes. And to jump us into those major themes, I want to read verse 10 together. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Now, for many of you, that may be a verse that you've heard several times. If you've been listening to this podcast since the very first episode, that would sound very familiar to you, because when... We introed the book of Luke. This is the verse that we said, this is the verse, the key verse of the whole book. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. That is that is the perfect way to describe the life and work of Jesus. Yeah, it's it's really not, not only the key verse to the book of Luke, but really the, the, the key summary of the, the ministry of Jesus. Yeah, and so... You know, we see that right here, and, you know, how interesting is it that at the end of of a story that we heard as we grew up, that such an impactful verse is, is right there included with it. So that is the first thing that I wanted you all to remember and see from this is Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We've been referring to that over and over and over again as we've gone through each chapter and noticing that from his birth to you know his early years as a as a child when the scriptures talk about him growing in stature and and the other three ways that he grows in spirit and in favor with man and favor with God um, as he begins his ministry uh, after John the Baptist and begins preaching, all, all of these things are part of him coming to seek and save. 
And, you know, every every parable we've covered, all of it goes back to that. And here, in this connection with Zacchaeus, Jesus is seeking, as he's walking through Jericho, he calls out for Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, come, come with me. He is seeking out Zacchaeus. So, the next thing I want you all to see is the point of view of Zacchaeus. And that is that those that seek him will find him. So, Jesus is seeking you. He's seeking me. He's, Jesus is seeking everybody. But if you aren't seeking him, you will let him walk by. If Zacchaeus was not seeking Jesus, he would have let Jesus just walk by. Now, Jesus knows where you are. He knows where you're hiding. He knows what's going on in your life. And he wants to save you. He has done everything to save you. He's done everything to to seek you out. But what is required of us is that we have to seek him back. So not only, you know, don't just stop there. For us as Christians, it goes beyond just the fact that Jesus came to seek and save the lost and that those that seek him will find him. That is a, a, that is major here. But what about those of us that have already chosen to seek Jesus? Where are we? Where? What does that? What does this section teach us? We're supposed to involve ourselves in the ministry of Jesus, and that is being a part of this mission of seeking and saving the lost. That is bearing fruit in the form of evangelism. So our job in bearing fruit through evangelism is that we need to help others realize these two key things. Think about that when the next time that you find yourself not sure what to say to somebody, not sure how to approach somebody with the gospel message, the key things that they need to know, two key things they need to know, is that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. If you're a Christian, you should be able to explain and understand how Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And then the second part of that is, because he came to seek and save the lost, when we seek him, we will find him. So, Help others realize Jesus is seeking them and help them realize their need to seek him back. And I really like this whole idea of purpose. So we see from Luke 19.10 the purpose of Jesus and his ministry, why he came here. For the Son of Man has come to seek and and to save that which was lost. And so we, we get this idea that the whole reason, the whole purpose, Jesus came here in the flesh was to seek and save lost people. And and by the way, Tanner and I and everyone listening to this, at one point, we were the lost person that Jesus came to save. Now, once he has saved us, 
we get to share in his purpose. Yeah. His purpose to seek and save that which was lost, once he has accomplished that purpose in us, once we've been saved, we share that very same purpose with Jesus as we go to seek and save other lost people. I've always found that so so interesting and so impactful to me that we get to share a purpose with the Son of God. Yeah. Yeah, the same the same reason that he came to save us is the purpose that we have been given in our Christian life going forward. And it's uh it is a blessing and it is an honor that we should take very seriously. So the next section of this chapter, I think a lot of times when this section gets talked about, there is a lot of focus on the the um, the slaves, the three slaves, the slave that um, made made ten, and then he was blessed with more responsibility, and then the slave that made five and was blessed with responsibility, and then the slave that did nothing, and then he was punished for doing nothing with the responsibility he was given. Um, I think that's a lot of where the focus is and that's important but I think there's a bigger picture here that's missed that um, makes the the middle section more important makes that section about the slaves more important and that is that what we need to recognize this about, about this is the the uh the man that leaves to go be king, there are, there are some ways that obviously from this, this parable that he is uh, an evil man, a man that a lot of people hate, but there is a connection with, with Jesus in the sense that Jesus is hated and everybody thinks that he is a man that is horrible and evil because and there's this connection with he is going to go back to the Father and he is going to reign as king. And when he returns, there's going to be a blessing to the faithful, the responsible, and there's going to be punishment for the irresponsible. And so thinking about that, that adds another level of seriousness to that center section where it talks about what happens to the slaves when the king returns. Right. Um, so what I want you all to realize is the kingdom of Jesus is not of this world. And, you know, look at verse 11. It says, while they were listening to these things, just Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. What they thought the kingdom was going to be, they thought the kingdom was going to be this mirror, uh, military, oh man. military, military takeover. They thought that Jesus was going to be like this commander that just wiped out all the evil um, and became an earthly king. That's what they thought the Messiah was supposed to be. And because he was getting close to Jerusalem where the king was supposed to sit, they thought it was getting ready to happen. But then Jesus, in response to this, is saying, this parable is talking about how his kingdom is not of this world. 
So Jesus will end up going back to the Father, and he sets at his uh, the Father's right hand as King and Lord. And he does that because he he was faithful to the Father. He was faithful to the end. He died on the cross. He was buried and raised from the dead and honored and raised up as King and Lord over everything. And so what we understand by this, and as we get into the conversation with the slaves in this parable, what we see is that the faithful will be responsible if they bear fruit from what they've been given. The the first slave, the first appeared saying, Master, your minya, is that how the pronouncement was Mina? when we looked it I up earlier? I think it's Mina. Mina. Mina has made ten mina, minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have you have been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be an authority over ten cities. So we see with the first and the second slave that when they were responsible and faithful with what they'd been given, when when they bared fruit with what they'd been given, they were blessed at the return of the of the king. But the one who was not faithful, he said another. It says another came saying, "Master, here is your minya, mina, 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 man, mina." which I kept put away in a handkerchief for I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, by your words, I will judge you by you worthless slave. Did you not know? Did you know that I am an exacting man taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Why then did you not put my money in in the bank and having come, I would have collected it with interest. And what ends up happening is he is stripped of everything that he has, including the mina. 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 Which it, which is, is equal to about 100 days wages. So this is, a, this is a significant amount of money. Yeah, yeah. So he's stripped of this, he's stripped of everything, and he is, he is cast out. Um, And when we think about when the Lord's going to come again, his second coming, we know that the scriptures speak, and it's speaking here, that Jesus, when he returns, the faithful will be blessed for their faithfulness and will, will be with him forever. But the unfaithful, they're going to be cast out. And I don't know anything that would be, would be worse I mean, the just think about this for a minute with me. The state of this world and all of the bad and the evil that happens is a consequence of sin because our sin separates us from God. How much worse is hell is it? the eternal and complete separation from God that will happen at Judgment Day. We all sometimes get in points at life where we think, woe is me, my life stinks. And there's stuff that's, you know, that can be pretty bad. 
losing a loved one, being in deep financial trouble, struggling with uh, addiction. But there is nothing on this earth that is going to be as bad as the complete and utter separation from God that hell will be. And it is not unjustified for us to be there. We should go there because we have sinned. Thankfully, we have Jesus who took that punishment for us and when we are faithful in believing in him and obeying him, he is faithful to save us. So let's remember that and remember that he is coming again. Let this be a reminder that of, of the urgency that we've talked about so many times that he is coming again and there's no time to waste. So this teaching of Jesus really hits at the idea of we need to be not only responsible with what we've been given, but it actually goes deeper than that because the man that didn't lose what he was given but also didn't use it to get an increase was, was scolded. So it's not just being responsible, but it's using what we have to to make a gain. And and in this teaching he's talking about about money, about finances. And he he even talks about the guy that was given 10 minas, which again is equal to about one of those is equal to about 100 days wages. So 1000 days 1000 days wages, you're looking at what almost 3 years of of wages. It's a, it's a pretty large sum of money. He was given a lot. But how much more have we been given today as Christians? We've been given the Holy Spirit to indwell within us. We've been given the forgiveness of our sins. We've been given peace with God. We've been given with a purpose for everyday life. We've been given the words of life, the very words of life. What is that compared to three years' wages? We've been given the gospel. All of this we've been given, and we learn here that if if we do not take care of this faithfully and, and use it to grow, then we're not going to be in a right standing with God. So what does that teach us about our responsibility to, as we talked about earlier, share in the purpose of Jesus and seek and save the lost? Part of seeking Jesus is seeking what he expects of us in our life. Is seeking... Faith Faith is not just believing... But if you even go back to the passage with Zacchaeus, he was not recognized for his faith just because he was looking down from the tree for Jesus. He was recognized in his faith when he was obedient and giving and faithful in bearing fruit. That's when Jesus says, 
because he too is a son of Abraham. So we have to we have to make sure that we're being dig- diligent in seeking him and in bearing fruit in that. Then we get away from that. Um, we move away from Jesus' teaching for a moment, and we enter into. The account of the triumphal entry. When Jesus enters Jerusalem, you know, the crowd's going crazy. They think that he's about to establish his earthly kingdom. They're honoring him. And the first thing I'd like to say about this is Jesus is king. And he deserves glory. And he deserves glory because he is uh, the one who came in the name of the Lord. And that is exactly what they, the things they say about him, the praise that they give him in verse 38. Blessed is the king who came in the name, who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heavens, in heaven and glory in the highest. Uh, other versions use the word Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. He, what's so interesting about this to me, we're just a week out from his crucifixion at this moment. And Jesus has proven through his miracles, through his authoritative knowledge and, uh, and spoken word of the scriptures that he is the Christ. And at this moment in the triumphal entry, they are convinced of that. He is the candidate to be the Christ. And they are worshiping him as if he is getting ready to take over the world. But when they realize that he is not the Messiah that they expect, they disregard everything else. They move from worshiping the Messiah, who Jesus is the Messiah, to saying, crucify him in a manner of seven days. Another thing I found so interesting about this, so impactful, is verse 40. Me and Jacob have just finished reading Case for Creator by Lee Strobel. I think I mentioned this last week in the podcast. I think so. As well. I really highly recommend the book. It's very good. Um, You know, there's a few things that we probably both disagree with in there, but for the most part, it's a very encouraging book. But verse 40 of of this chapter says, But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. So the Pharisees want Jesus to rebuke all these people worshiping him, Again, he deserves this worship, but he the Pharisees want him to rebuke them for worshiping him. And his statement is, is that if they become silent, the stones will cry out. And this, this book written by Lee Strobel, it's, it's so telling and so, so um, encouraging to our faith. And 
it, all of it is about how science, the the knowledge that science has discovered about the physical world points to the fact that there is a designer, there is a creator, and that creator is God. And so how true is it that even when people are silent, the earth still proclaims his majesty? Even when people aren't speaking, the earth says there is a God and he has he is the creator. And that's just a very a very powerful thing. And it's it's amazing that Jesus even uh speaks to that some here in verse forty. Jesus is is being worshipped and honored. And then he comes before Jerusalem. It says when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. He goes from a moment that for anybody else would have been joy the whole time because they were getting praised. You know, pride is probably swelling up within them. But Jesus, as king, he sees the city of Jerusalem and he weeps over it. He weeps over a city that was supposed to be faithful, but now has has doomed itself for destruction. And this isn't a satisfactory win over the Pharisees. This isn't something he's excited about or proud of. But he is in deep remorse for the lost people who refuse him. Why did he come? He came to seek and save the lost. And he is in dread, in agony, about the fact that there are some that are still lost and are going to choose to remain that way. And destruction is going to come to them, starting with the destruction that would later happen in AD 70 to Jerusalem. Right. Seek Jesus. Seek Jesus because he is seeking you. Seek the Jesus that is king and deserves glory, who has come in the name of the Lord who the whole earth points to the fact that he is God. As the chapter wraps up, the last uh, four verses are, are one of the few times that we see Jesus get very angry, very upset. It says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling saying to them, It is written, And my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a robber's den. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes were leading men among the people, were trying, and the leading men among the people were trying to destroy him, and they could not find anything that they might do, for all the people were hanging on to every word he said. So Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and after he drives out all the distraction, all the evil, all the sin of the temple, 
He's spending his final days before his death. He knows it's coming. He's spending his final days before his death teaching, trying to save souls, continuing to seek, hoping that these people will seek him back. Jesus wants all of us, all of these people, he wanted them to have peace with God. He wants us to have peace with God. And the temple was it was a place for worship. It was a place to connect and have a relationship with God. It was not a place to make money and thieve. And so he continued to teach. After getting rid of all that distraction, he continued to teach, hoping more would come to have peace with God through repentance. That was what it was all about for him. And he continues to do that, and as we as we go through this rest of the ch- rest of the chapter, we'll 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 mention that. But he continues his mission all the way up through the point that the nails are driven on into his hands and his feet, through the trial, through the hanging, to his first words on the cross, all the way to the last words that he spoke on the cross. I think it really says something about perspective. And what perspective we ought to have that Jesus knew he had one more week left at this point. And, and something we like to think about a lot, and even something we've discussed on this podcast before back in, I think, chapter 16, is what, how would we live our life or what would we do if we knew we had one day left to live or one week or a month? Well, we kind of see what Jesus prioritized In verse 47, it says, And he was teaching daily in the temple. And we're going to see some other things as we finish out the Gospel of Luke that Jesus does in his last week, but I think it speaks a lot to Jesus' perspective on, I only have a few days left to be here on earth to, to accomplish the mission, the purpose that I'm here for. And his days and his time were very intentionally spent to accomplish that purpose and that mission. And I think that's something we can learn from the way Jesus lived and the way that he prioritized his life. I think another part of this is I think there's some people that they do so much and then they think, you know what, I've done enough. It's time time to, you know, hit the retire button. Time to call it quits. You know, I'll just spend the rest of my days just making sure I'm in the church building and uh, when I die, I'll go to heaven. But that's not the image that we see of Christ. From the moment, for, for throughout his whole life, he is about his mission. From the beginning to the very end. And even when he resurrects, he is still about his mission. To the very last thing he says. And we have to be better about realizing that the race, it's never over until Jesus says so. <laughs> until we are set, when, until soul and body are separated, or until the, until Jesus comes again, the race, the, the the work ethic the the service to our lord should never end 
Absolutely. And that's, to me, exactly the example that we see in Jesus. You have any more about this section or this chapter? I think we covered it. All right. As usual, we want to thank you all. Um, We just are very grateful for those of you that are continual listeners or uh, watchers on YouTube. Um, We're thankful that we have the time to do this. I know that it is uh, a major growth in study opportunity for the both of us that that it, that we really enjoy doing. So, you know, if you if you like the video, leave a thumbs up or if you like the podcast, leave a comment or like or whatever you can do on all the platforms and um make sure to seek Christ. Seek Jesus for peace with God. Seek Jesus for peace with God. Bear fruit and so prove to be one of his disciples.